home is where the heart is. The second floor of Bergdorf Goodman. (laughs) I may not always have my shit together, but unlike Tom, at least I'm not full of it. (laughs) Okay, your tagline wins the app number one. Numero uno. Numero I mean, it's a team effort. It is it is a community of taglines here on the People's People Zoom, Kiki, Couch, etc. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode 406, and I am recording from my childhood bedroom here in Rhode Island, the island of Rhode, which my parents turned into an office and decided to paint. Um, it looks like a sex like dungeon. A- it, it's it's a blood red. It's my hair's not long enough to put in a braid or whatever with the fucking bow or whatever on Grey's Anatomy or them. Fifty Shades of Taupe or whatever. I've just it's there's a lot happening. Did you say Grey's Anatomy? <laughs> Sloan Kettering sex. Sex time and Sloan, whatever. Just to say before I introduce this guest, um, I just want to thank everyone for their indulgence and kindness <laughs> in understanding that the audio for this episode might be a little, you know, sassily fakakta up because I can't find a room in the house where you can't hear the landscaper outside and the internet has gone off. Um, directly before we started to record. So just want to thank everybody. If you hear a little a little motor running in the background, that's just my my spirit coming yeah. out when talking about NJ and VPR. So listen, let's get started. A, a fun special episode from my childhood home with someone who always feels like home every time we record. You know her through her content creation mission statement, which says it all. If Dateline and SportsCenter had a Bravo baby, it would be this person, today's return guest, one of my favorite people to have an AG Kiki with. Welcome back, Bravo, Bravo, Ducking Bravo. How are we today? I'm so good. I'm excited to see your childhood home. It's revealing a lot more about you. Yeah, it looks like I just got murdered in advance. And guys, if you could only see, I'm going to put the color of the walls up on Instagram because if you could, can you imagine, is there a color less soothing than like a literal garnet red? It's a very deep red. It's a deep red, but it wasn't that when you grew up in that room, right? They painted no. afterwards? Yeah, no, this was like my mom's office space where someone taught her what a computer is and then she never comes in. Um, Yeah, it used to be white walls with, uh, you know how like we would all, you know, put uh, newspaper and people magazine Mm -hmm. like cutouts and photos of whatever. Mine was a fun mix of like politicians and character actors and then in sync. Like it it was a I wish I had a photo of of the craziness on my wall. It like didn't make any it was literally like George Costanza and then, you know, Joey Fatone. It was just it was nuts. It was nuts. No, listen, the red wall, what I see is I see that you come from a long line of uh, people who are not afraid to make a bold choice. Yeah, not a good one, but a bold one. <laughs> it's a little window. Also, if you can hear the the barking sounds of my family's 15-year-old Chishi Poo Chester, who really considers himself a, a guard dog, probably fighting one of his other personalities. 
Literally, this is a <laughs> this is going to be so fun. This audio podcast, it's like a real journey. I think NPR people go through this. It's as like well. we're doing a 1950s radio show mm-hmm. and there's sounds in the back. It's good. It's you know, it's engaging. Yeah, it's one of many, you know, things I have in common with Orson Welles. This is going to be a real War of the Worlds happening as yeah. we try to understand Tom. Um, so listen, we were shooting the shit before recording. You said you were getting in a little cardio, so mazel tov. And we're having a little bit of a reaction to the new VPR. So I need yeah. to know your thoughts. Totally ruined my workout. You know, I was ready to get down there and just get fit to fight the fascists like we do every day. And I started running <laughs> running, running. And I put on VPR and I got so irritated. This is why I can't watch the show. I get so mad. Like I can't run that mad. Like you can run mad, but not like I got to stop and I got to rant. So I had to keep stopping and ranting and like writing little notes because I knew we were going to talk about it. <laughs> and I was like, let me give it up. Let me give it up. And then I just came upstairs and I ate a snack. So I'll work out later, I guess. Well, you know, I have to say there are a lot of elements of the Scandaval that do get pulses racing. That does feel yeah. like our our heart is our heart rate is increasing, our blood pressure is rising, and there was sort of something about the newest episode, which I watched for the first time this morning, go me. Um that did feel a little bit different. Do you agree? What do you think it was? Okay, so I, because I'm not a long time watcher of every single episode, uh, you know, that I don't have the feel like for the barometer of the show, right? And the editing and how did last season look versus the season before and blah, blah, blah. But I've, you know, I see it all. I see what people post and I've seen, and you tell me what your opinion is on this, that a lot of people are saying, okay, well, it's clear now. After this episode, it's clear that everybody knew. That it was like this secret, but most people knew about it. It was being talked about it. Production knew, other cast members knew. And then you see a preview for next week of Ariana. Um, you know, she's still not being filmed, but Lala saying, I think something's going on between, you know, Tom and Raquel, Rachel. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. What do you think, though? Because I I can't tell, but it seemed like half of the commentary. I was like, this is so on the nose. What's going on around here? Well, that's what I found so confusing because I feel like I I honestly I know because Lala has said this and I think Katie has said this, that they had their suspicions, but I didn't think it would seem I don't I don't want to use the word obvious, but like I didn't. I didn't anticipate that this would be such a big part of the conversation. Yeah, it really is. It it is, and I don't know how much of that is potential edits being made to make sure more of this stuff is included. But to to note that is to also acknowledge that they had stuff to include mm-hmm. because. A lot of people were talking about this in real time and the confessionals that are being used for my awareness are all old confessionals. It's not any of the new confessional footage being used since the word actually broke that this was all real. I wasn't anticipating that. Yeah, people are confronting Tom. They're confronting Tom about this rumor in this last episode. And you know what, Ariana's not there. And it's just the Mm. most awkward thing. And his reasoning for it is, I wouldn't do it there. Not, I wouldn't do it. 
not, oh, that I would never in a million years cheat and that's awful. And we've been kind to, you know, Rachel and let her stay with us and blah, blah, blah. It was, I wouldn't do it at the Abbey. Like, that's why that's a silly thing to say to me. Not because it's silly to even fathom that I would ever cheat or that I would do it with Rachel or that I would do it in public. I just wouldn't do it there. It was just a, a wild episode to watch. I mean, and who was it? Was it Sheena that said? Sheena, um, yeah, she pulled them aside and she's like, I'm hearing things. And she's just sticking up for Rachel the whole episode. Saying like, I would trust her in bed with him. And I'm like, oh, yikes. She she said that Tom was like Raquel's big brother. Yeah. I mean, there were Joe so Dirt, many moments. Big brother, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There were so many moments where I was like, oh, fuck, like this is. Yes. I mean, for Sheena, with everything that happened allegedly or did not on Wednesday and, you know, Raquel's team's statements after to note everything that followed and watch how hard Sheena was defending Raquel. Do you think that stemmed from Sheena believing that Raquel was not capable of this or that she felt the need to defend Raquel because she had been so protective of Raquel? Like, do you think in Sheena's mind it stemmed from truly believing Raquel wouldn't do this or feeling like, listen, I'm aligned with her because she is such a close friend. She's lived with me, whatever else. I I I can't be tricked in that way. You know, I dare not try to put myself in the mind of any of the cast of Vanderpump Rules, mm. but I will say I feel like she was trying to be a good friend, and I think the entire cast underestimated Rachel. You know, even when um, Lala is talking to James and she says, I like this new girl, Allie. You know, I can tell when I talk to her, things are happening. Things are clicking in her mind. When I talked to, you know, Rachel, when you're dating her, not so much. So I think they just thought that she just wasn't, wasn't able, wasn't on the level of having like a, a full-blown affair and not leaking it somehow. You know what I mean? Like that she wouldn't be able to pull something like that off. And they obviously aren't. But they did for seven months. But they really didn't. Like, I think you put any of any, you, me, anybody who's like, a you know, in the real world person, you plug us into that and we'll be like, hey, something's going on over there. Nobody else sees this. Like, I'm sorry, what? You're spending the night at their house when she's not in town and y'all were dancing at the Abbey? Guys, blowing the conch shell. Didn't know nobody else <laughs> is seeing this? Yeah. So maybe it's the weird little incestuous crew of Vanderpump Rules that... They make excuses for this kind of thing. But to me, huge red flags. Yeah, I think it's it is so interesting because in the world of Bravo specifically, I mean, one of the insults that Schwartz used against Lala was that she was I'm going to fuck it up, but something along the lines of like you're a wannabe housewife. And there is that kind of energy in the world of a lot of Bravo programming, especially housewives, the idea that you know, rumors and speculation are a part of the plot, regardless of whether or not you genuinely in your core believe that there is truth to what's being discussed. It's like the idea of there's a certain amount of amplification of 
uh, tricky, private, tabloidy speculation that becomes a part of storyline and what you're being paid for to a certain extent is just the ability to withstand it if you're the target. Yeah. And I watch VPR and I'm like, I wonder how much of that energy was a part of the cast talking about this and how much of it was the cast being like, oh my God, Tom might be fucking Raquel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's, this is what's, again, we talk about this every time, but this is what's going to be really interesting about like sociology 50, hundred years from now is looking mm-hmm. back on people being watched and knowing they're being watched. So it's not like the Truman show because he didn't know he was being watched. Now we've got people who know they're being watched and feel the pressure to create drama, conflict, whatever it is. Um, and so how much of their lives are real even to them? I don't know. Are they making choices based on what they really want? Or are they making choices based on staying on a show and life is just happening to them? And then when you put in an episode of performance in the idea of this person performing fidelity to his long-term partner, mm-hmm. How would the performance have changed if the cameras were off? I don't know. But it is hard to watch him say, like, you know, she's at her uh, family home and her grandmother had just passed. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I just need a break. And uh, this is I couldn't work out while I was watching it. It was all too much. It was like it was like almost being set up to show how awful this was for this to be happening to her in at this time, in this moment. He's going to get his spooge checked or whatever, not taking any of it seriously at all. You know, just like, well, the vibe is whatever. I guess we'll have kids. <gasps> it's actually quite serious. And the thing is, he was obviously engaged in this affair yes! with Raquel. And he couldn't even perform empathy for his partner, whose, you know, beloved grandmother had died. He's. This is how she is away because she is with her family grieving that loss, not so far away from her father passing away. And he's talking about how Ariana doesn't support him, how she ridicules him and makes him feel small. And I'm like, babe, like you can't even spend a week or an afternoon in front of these cameras saying, wow, she's dealing with so much. I love her so much. It's he's constantly thinking one step ahead, trying to ensure that people understand maybe at some point in the future why he and Raquel were stooping. I mean, it's like you can't even you're Mr. Performer. You're Mr. Sandoval and the most extras. You can't even perform being a good boyfriend. Is it only about you at all times? Yes, I think so. I think it's hugely ego driven for him, which again is the danger of reality TV. But also it's like chicken or the egg, right? You have to have an ego to want to go on reality TV Mm -hmm. and think that you're special enough and interesting enough to be shown and to garner eyeballs. But then it can take over and it can just turn you into something that nobody wants to have anything to do with. And I don't want to watch him. And I only watched that episode (laughs) because I knew we were going to talk about it because it makes me too nuts. It's so it's so toxic. It's so awful. It's not. A representation, I don't think, of you know what a human man walking the earth should be. It makes me concerned about society. <laughs> it takes me to dark places. It really does. 
And the reality is that this show was formed. It was created because Lisa Vanderpump said, like, there is this crazy group of people who works at one of my restaurants and they all think they're the absolute best. Like it was created because there was the idea of and this isn't a medical diagnosis, but like a group of narcissists, like of people who just like think that this is the most important world because they are a part of it and they're scheming and they're being sort of lovably diabolical with each other. And then they came on TV where people were like, actually, you're right. You are a very, you are maybe the most interesting group of people to follow. Like we have been saying that even in the bad years of EPR, like this used to be the most interesting group of people to follow. Why can't we get that back? I mean, the comparison even in criticizing them was like, they used to be the best. So if you are a decade into that, where you thought you were the shit and then hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people every week were like, nods head, you are the shit, even if you're a piece of shit, especially then, was this always going to be the ending? I just thought of something too. When when you're describing it and how they're supposed to be a mess, that's the point of the show is like, look at this, I love mess, right? Now I love mess too. And I'm just gonna make a, a slight correlation. It's not, it's not completely accurate. Like Southern Charm, all right? the men children on Southern Charm. They're fun to watch mess up. And it's it can be entertaining to a point where it doesn't get fun anymore. And I think this is why VPR bothered me, is that this episode truly dealt with matters of life and death. And nobody was capable of grasping that when it came to creating life or Ariana dealing with a death. And so it's all fun and games, all fun and games. But then when life gets serious for a second, it's hard. To, it gives me the ick, you know, and I think Southern Charm, Foolishness, Foolishness, great. But VPR is getting into some more serious, you know, storylines here. They've got, they bought a house together. They're really planning, a, you know, a life, businesses, wanting to, you know, ha- maybe have a baby together. That's where, that's where it's. Uh, it's rough for me to watch. If if one if one person, you know, Ariana is is in it for the long haul and is giving it what she's got and is trying to make Tom the best person he can be and support him, and instead of reciprocating that, he's feigning that, but on the side is feeding his you know inner id and what this void, and we've all just got to watch it. Yeah, I mean it's it's not great when Schwartz is telling you that you sound immature. That's a pretty big indicator that you done fucked up. I mean, when Tom yeah. Schwartz is like that wasn't okay what you said to that person at the entry for the doctor's office when you were like let's find out about my Yeah, and he's like I don't need, I, just everything about that. Uh, I just wanted to walk into the woods. I mean, I it took me to <laughs> <laughs> and First, okay, I, I just want to say, when Lala went off, mm. every part of me is filled with light. I love it so much, and she read him to filth. He tried to come at her a couple of times. It was it was pathetic. He just starts eating a chicken wing. Um, but I just thought it was amazing that she she read him so well because he irritates me just as much. He may not have had the you know the what affair and whatever. It's not even based on that. It's his actions towards his ex wife who's sitting there really just trying to live her life. And he's like, 
you know, making faces and signaling, hi, hi, hi. And she's like, I've said hi to you. I'm concerned for both of them is what I'm saying. I think they're stunted. They need therapy. Yeah. And Schwartz is a lot uglier than I even maybe gave him credit for. Like the stuff that the way he was acting, which was honestly just like such a petulant brat, which would be on its own one thing, but so manipulative about it that it was the fault of his ex-wife for being an ex. And then here he is constantly telling her she was right to leave while also saying he's the victim of his own poor behavior, which in many ways led to their split. And then attacking Lala, but trying to end it on a light note with like, ooh, the chicken. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a lot. I don't know if he was, if he was trying to mock her further or if he was realizing how horribly he was coming off. But when she's walking away mm-hmm. and he's saying to her, but you're a good mom though, but you're a good mom though. And I was like, man, if you're saying that to try to dig at her, I, ah, oh, the rage. Um, or if you're saying that to try to put a bow on everything you just did, either way, the rage. So I can't stand either one of those fools. And I'm fine with anyone ripping them apart verbally. I love that she went for him. I love that he got a drink in his face. I loved a lot of things about the episode, even though it, it did make me angry. How do you think the reunion is going to go for Schwartz? Do you think he has Not any well, interest bitch. in learning a lesson? <laughs> Do you think he has any interest in learning a lesson, no. let alone does he have capacity? No. no. No, I think they're stunted. I think they literally have issues. And I think they need to work them out. I don't know what they are. I can't begin to understand. But um, they've fallen into this into this trap of like, did I amuse you? Did I amuse the audience? Are you not entertained? And they're taking it too far. I mean, how do you take things too far on Vanderpump Rules? What's the line? Well, I mean, again, people people might really be into it. And like, they love that kind of chaos. I started to get just the tense, tense in my soul for just mm-hmm. seeing the severity of like the situations that were happening. Real life stuff, real life stuff, right? But, you know, that's Katie's choice, right? Maybe she's not irritated that she sits down with, you know, a young man that she's trying to start dating or something. And her ex-husband is just talking shit across the room. Like, I'm so glad I'm not with her. I'm so glad I'm not with her. I'm not. She's the worst. It's like, let's go outside. Why am I in this room with you? What's going on? Is this the only way I can make money? I I couldn't do it. (laughs) It it is a a bait and switch kind of deal that's happening. I mean, he is trying to bait her into something and maybe she will switch her attention. Maybe it is about like, you're with someone else. So I'm going to do whatever I can to both piss you off. Hi, Katie. Hi, Katie. Yeah, and maybe there's a part of it where he's like, maybe he's hoping to annoy her into exploding so that Satchel's like, oh, who the fuck is this lady? Like, do I want to be a part of it? So he'd be like, calm down, Katie, calm down. This is why we're not together, because you go crazy like this, Katie. I mean, a little bit, right? Yeah, it's such a simple formula, and it exhausts me. I'm like, leave her alone. It's just like watching... A small dog, like, smack, 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 you know, like, stop. I, it was a, it was honestly, genuinely a wild episode to watch because there were, I, I felt so surprised by all of it. And, like, there was just so much to unpack 
And I would just think from a production perspective, I just wonder what production was thinking as all of this is going on. I mean, Sandoval's giving a full-throated denial. This is absolutely not happening. I'm going to laugh it off. And watching Tom Sandoval in a confessional, filmed at whatever point, laughing off the reality of what he was doing because it was just so bad and so wild. Of course he wasn't slash was. I just wonder from the producers being perspective, being armed with the footage that they have, do you think that they were thinking like, this is crazy too? Or do you think that they were thinking like, huh, if everybody in here who knows these people is talking about this, and some of us have been working on this show for a number of years, maybe this really is what's going on. I think the producers more know more than yeah. even members of the cast. I mean, they they see everyone, they talk to everyone, they have footage that we'll never see. They've got like thousands of hours of nonsense. And to me, it seemed pretty obvious. And then when when Rachel was like, I don't like that you called me a name because I don't think it's right. And I just was at a club and dance. I'm like, girl, you know what you're doing right now. You know that you are guilty and yet you want to have this moment of self-righteousness. <laughs> and again, that could be why people love Vanderpump Rules, which is great. Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. 
Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Obvs. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic non-stick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. She felt like to me like a little bit of a non-factor this week. Where she I was, was. Like, she was just there. She was like egg, you know. It is interesting. I, I mean, because she was able to kind of like, to me, be very much in the background of this, which put all of the focus on Tom being a fuck up, mm-hmm. but also like, I guess was a part of her strategy of like, if I can just be as invisible as humanly possible maybe the speculation will go away or something I don't know I don't that doesn't feel right as I say it out loud I don't know I think they probably just had some really good footage of these two you know men in their 40s just looking terrible Mm. so they went with that God, it's just so I can't I still I mean, it's one of those things I was at a um, event the other day and I was talking to some folks about the scan of all because it obviously comes up immediately in conversation when you Always. find someone else's yep. is a Bravo viewer. And I was talking about the feeling that I had when the announcement you know, or when the news first broke. I mean, Dylan Hafer and I were recording an AG classic. It broke while we were recording. As soon as we finished recording, we found out the app was already done. So we hopped on an emergency Patreon. And a lot of my feelings that day have not changed. And I don't mean that as a point of pride. I just mean it as a point of genuine, utter confusion. I still can't believe, I can believe that Tom cheated. That is not surprising to me. What remains so shocking is that it was Raquel. I can't get over it. It's so nuts to me. But see, to me, it's not. It's it's not because, okay, I, I, uh, 
<laughs> I'm such a feminist that it's hard for me to like. No, he, but he, let's get into that because this came up on a recent episode. The idea of feminism to me doesn't mean support bad actors when they're behaving badly because we share the same gender and sex. It means that we should be tr- women should be treated equally to men, you know, like which means if someone's being a dick, call them a dick. We shouldn't hide behind women sometimes apologies, but distort the idea of feminism to escape their own culpability. And I have no time for that. Like we it's it is such it's such bullshit to me to say we have to support all women, including women who are betraying the very nature of the idea of supporting women by stooping your good lady friend's boyfriend. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. It's inexplicable. It's nonsensical. I completely agree with you. Now, okay. tell me. Here's what I was going to say. Me. And you tell me okay. what you think of this. All right. Okay. This is a, a theory that's been around for a long time. I'm sure you heard it before, which is that, you know, you can judge when you're talking about like heterosexual relationships you can judge a man by the type of woman he picks or is attracted to. Right. Mm-hmm. So Tom is with Ariana. And then there's also this whole, you know, sidetrack of like, an affair is not about an affair. It's about how a person wants to be seen mm-hmm. or wants to have someone kind of like, wants to be different from what they have for a moment or however long, in this case, forever. Now, Ariana challenges Tom. She doesn't put up with his shit. She calls him out on stuff. She's a grown woman. She's got a business. She's got a house with him. She's got uh, things that she asks of him. Okay. But she also supports him and goes to shows and whatever. That is a challenging road. An easy road is someone who just thinks you're great. Just a fan. Wearing your band shirt not offering you any kind of obstacles or big life decisions or financial stress. Like they're just this thing over in the corner, just sleeping in the guest room. You know, you could do that if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. They think you're great. They get big doughy eyed at you. I mean, we've seen the footage. We've all seen the footage that she was like going to all of his shows in the front row and just fangirling out. And he liked that. If I had to break it down, if it was me looking at it, which it is, um, I would say that that was the path of least resistance. And he always, I think, had a thing for her because, you know, the footage looking back when, you know, James was with her and he wanted to propose and Tom shelled out all of that cash for, you know, Richella or whatever, Rachella. And yeah, I feel like it was all there. He always had kind of a little thing for her. And then there was a path to it. How does that intersect with the idea of feminism? So it kind of, you know, bugs me a little bit to say like, oh, you can, you know, the woman that a man is with um, kind of is a reflection of him because I'm not trying to say that, you know, every guy who's an asshole is with some woman who is, you know, not challenging enough for him or something. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like in this particular situation, especially I see that he was with a woman who was kind of like, and even match and saying like, here's what I want from life, actually higher than him, challenging him to be better. Here's, you know, businesses and a house and and the future and whatever. And he's like, I'm here to get my jizz checked. He's not ready for that. It almost is like uh, the movie Juno. And 
wonderful Jen Jen Garner in that film is the the wife of Jason Bateman and she's wanting to have a baby so bad and she wants this life and they have a home together and you know the teenager starts hanging out with Jason Bateman and he wants to be cool to her and he's playing the guitar and he's blah 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 and then the end of the movie sorry if you haven't seen it it's an old movie come on now and he's like I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this and I'm not doing this anymore we're breaking up and I'm gonna go be in a band you know in the city and that was entertaining and she was his favorite she was Juno's favorite she's like oh the wife's kind of stuck up but I like the husband but the end of the movie she realizes like that's actually gross but your wife is great I'm going to give your wife my baby, you know, but you don't have what it takes to like to contribute to that. And that's okay. The idea of suspended adolescence, I think, is yeah really interesting, especially for maybe men of a certain age. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know that Tom was always like this, but maybe I mean, maybe if you're with in a relationship with Sandoval for a certain period of time. Ultimately, the things that made you feel exceptional to him, he said this at a reunion with uh, Kristen when Kristen was like saying a bunch of shit about um, Ariana and Ariana, I think, wasn't fighting back or was whatever it was. And Sandoval kept saying like, oh, this makes me like so attractive to you. Like, this is just like why I love you. And Kristen had a fucking shit show about it, tantrum about it. But, you know, the things that Tom is repelled by, the things that Tom is now that Sandoval is now saying are the reasons that he doesn't feel supported or the reasons that he feel feels isolated are allegedly, supposedly the very things that attracted him to Ariana to begin with. So I always wonder, like, at what point did that split happen or was it always there? Was it just that? he was so in love with her, besotted with her because she chose him. And then at a certain point, he's like, oh, I don't like the way that you're choosing me. Because it doesn't feel like you are, I don't know, I don't want to say like, it doesn't feel like you're not quiet enough because Ariana never was. Like what, what shift happens? At what point? So if I had to, you know, pretend to be him for a moment, I think, again, it's ego driven. A chase. A chase is fun. You know? And then once that chase ends with a woman saying, here's what life with me is like. I don't like when you do this. We need to work on this. I support you. Here's what I would like out of life. That's heavy. Ooh, that's not so fun, bro. Let's start over. Let's start fresh with someone who's not asking me for anything. And yet they lasted for nine years. I mean, that's an extreme, to me, that's a a very, very long time to have a significant long-term partner and to survive while being in reality TV, which adds a, a high level of stress to any number of relationships, especially within the, within the construct of a Bravo show with that kind of narrative storytelling where people are looking to exacerbate any kind of sensitive spot. Um, As Katie said, he's done a great job of passing the torch whenever he can to light someone else's ass on fire when he feels like it's getting a little too hot for him. I mean, the way he was coming after Katie at that post-beach bar, I thought said an awful lot about how Tom reacts when he feels like his ego is under threat. Mm -hmm. And yet he was in a long-term relationship with Ariana for almost a decade like it's hard for me to understand 
I guess ultimately someone's character will be shown, right? Like you can't really hide the core of who you are. You can just misbehave so outlandishly that eventually you'll be caught. But like also on the flip side, he was with her for almost a decade. It doesn't, for some reason, I it's like it doesn't make sense to me. I, wait, I have a question. So when did he start the band? How many years ago was that? Has that been since the beginning? I don't think so, right? No, it's only been the the most extras is, I think, relatively recent. And there, there's this whole thing where it's like not really a band. It's sort of like Tom has hired all of these yeah. people to be a part of his hobby, which yeah. is a terrible financial strategy, especially if you now become the villain for bajillions of people. Like the band was always, I thought, kind of an LOL, except now it's like the worst kind of punchline. And I would assume the people performing with him are no longer laughing. Got it. So it's never been like him and a tight crew of like, hey, we got Chuck on the drums. Then we got Richie on guitar. It's just like, you know, 1099s, they hired for the day. And it's him doing karaoke. Who's going to do my backup tonight? Kind of a thing. I mean, it's the same people, I think, who are with him on tour. I mean, and then he has his band manager whose wife is married. Yes, to, to Howie uh, Mandel. Band, whose wife is Harold, Howie Mandel's um, producer on the show, which is how that interview came to pass. But yeah. I, I don't know what their relationship is to him. I don't know if the people in his band feel like it's a band or feel like this is a way to get paid and I don't begrudge them for it. It's hard to find work. So mm -hmm. I, for, to go on tour with this person who can barely sing, who's yeah. playing out, you know, some sort of Peter Pan fantasy. I don't, I don't begrudge them You just them described for that. like five different Bravo liberties, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, this is the whole, you know, it's the whole Barbara Kay, like Luann, you're not Adele. There's the idea of Luann laughing it off and being like, of course, I'm not Adele, but also being like, absolutely. I'm like Adele. staring I at mean, her poster and smiling wherever they were. Right. Sandoval just is a the Sandoval experience, I would think, is a much, much, much less iconic version yeah. of the Luann Cabaret, which I would encourage anyone to go to when she's in your town because it is a genuine uh, or Sonia's cabaret. Sonia's got the well, her show. It's more of a show. Sonia's improv show. And I yeah. was at the friends and family performance of that before she went on tour. And that was a night that I will never forget. Okay. The reason I asked that about the about the band, because I I feel like if anything exacerbated his his bad behavior, I would say that that probably is such an ego trip to do that that might have made it worse and been one of the factors of um you know the demise of their relationship i don't know why i'm saying this out loud but i feel like it didn't make it worse it was just an extension of the worst that already existed i think it's just like the tentacle of the fucking octopus or whatever you know there's a bunch of them yeah but the octopus is you know, kind of swimming along anyway. You got eight, yeah. you got seven, whatever happens, happens. Like it's still in the fucking sea. You know, I just feel like it might've sped it up. Cause I, again, that footage, when the, when the affair first broke, there was so much footage that people were finding on their cell phones from going to shows of, of, you know, Rachel in the front, just like staring, like even at BravoCon and other performances and stuff. And I just think that that can be, um, almost, I don't know, disarming and 
you can almost get drunk on that of somebody just giving you that kind of like adoration and energy. Well, I mean, it's one thing to have an affair as a private joke, right? Where nobody knows and you guys scamper off and do your stripping and it's in a hotel room or it's in somebody's private residence and nobody knows. And there's like a wink because you guys are in on the joke, but there's no other hint that anything is going on. And then there's the path that these two took yeah. of like, I'm going to dress as Rick as my mistress, essentially, for the Halloween. Necklaces. The neck, the lightning bolt necklaces the the I think there was a glimmer in Tom's eye but also probably more fear when he was in that confessional saying there was no chance he absolutely did not do anything with Raquel if he did he would have done it with Katie or or or, you know it was like saying he had done something with Katie you know like there's the idea of this is our total private space this is our own private island where we we can go off and have this illusion of an altered reality together or this is really who we want to be and then there's what these two did which was like seemingly joking about it in front of people including ariana for a period of months yeah and doing so to such an extent that it actually became plot because they weren't being careful i don't think it was sloppiness i think it was genuinely them testing the water and seeing how much can we get away with before uh people try to prove this close friendship wrong which is an interesting it it does require some element of ego on Tom's behalf and for Raquel, maybe trust that he knows what he's doing. He's been in this so long yeah. and I love him. And if I, I love him or I lust for him, there has to be valid reason for that because he knows like they were never going to, they were never going to tell Ariana. I think eventually maybe Tom and Ariana could have broken up, but he was never going to tell her that he was in an affair. Ariana was never going to tell her that she was fucking, you know, uh, Raquel was never going to tell her that she was fucking Ariana's. No, never. You know. She would still have held the line of like, tell him why you guys, why you guys mean to me. Yeah, it's holding the line and then also seeing how much fun would it be if we start to cross it, mm-hmm. you know, which is maybe that's maybe that's maybe what makes this hotter for them. It's Absolutely. Like, Exciting. Look, yeah. we're so smart. They are, they're not going to catch us. You know, anybody who watches crime shows, that's that's a big part of it for a lot of. <laughs> Dateline scandal. Yeah. <laughs> Dateline after dark. They get bold as the crimes go on. They get bold and they're like, yeah, no one can catch me. That's how you get caught. Well, I there is a. OK, this is going to make literally no sense. OK, but bear with me on this Let's wild journey go. that my brain is taking as we as we go along together. And I'm in a room that is literally blood red, uh, which I'm using as inspiration. Talk about Dateline. Um, but I was watching the episode of New Jersey this week and I started watching the episode and I was like, this is odd during moments in which. Teresa seems to be actively performing or or genuinely being interested in engaging with Melissa and in being aligned with Melissa. And I thought to myself, like, this is at the beginning of the episode. And then it kept going. And I was like, wait a second. Has Teresa decided to start wanting Melissa to be close in the way that she's doing? Now? It, it felt to me like a little bit of a performance. And then I started thinking, 
is this bitch doing this? Because she knows that the rumor is going to come out at any point in time. And she's just trying to set up a foundation of like, look, if Jen Aiden starts talking about this thing, I I wasn't a part of it because there were so many examples of me trying to show Melissa that I'm trustworthy and care. Interesting. Is that complete? That could be, you could tell me like truly go fuck myself. Like that doesn't make any sense. And maybe it's on the heels. I don't know that I am more paranoid because of the scandal, although it's entirely possible. But there were moments where like Teresa was saying things about Melissa in Ireland and like bonding with her that as much as I would love to see it, something in me was like, this doesn't feel natural. It does not feel organic. There was a lot of that in the episode. And gosh, Jersey is so tough for me because I really just cannot tell anymore when either of them are being authentic. Yeah. It's been going on for too long and I just don't know anymore. In the beginning, there was the rage and there was, you know, the baptism and all that kind of stuff. And you felt it, you felt it from both sides. But now, now I don't know real motivations. But that's interesting because that's the rumor about the opening a car door and seeing Melissa in the back of a car making out with an ex-boyfriend. Or some guy. I don't even know if they dated. Yeah, yeah. some guy. Some yeah. guy. And some of my followers have told me like, oh, that's old. You know, that's been, people have known that that's been going around for a while or something. And that's not going to be like a new thing, you know, for Melissa to hear essentially. Um, so I don't know how powerful it is. I've yet, I've yet to be able to gauge that. I guess we'll find out. And I don't know, Jersey's, Jersey's a rough one because it's almost like, is it WWE or are they really having conflict or are they really bonding? I don't know. When you say WWE relating to the conflict, what conflict feels to you like a question mark? This ongoing thing about the wedding, um, you know, Melissa and Joe feigning just over and over of like I can't believe she didn't invite us and then she invites him and they say no and then she says you know when they're in Ireland like I would love to have it would make me feel complete if I had you know the kids in there and she's trying to I can see both sides like I can put my my mind into both sides at any moment and so it's really hard to figure out what's real and what's not because I can see a world where you know, she has the kids and Melissa in it, but she doesn't have a brother because she has this intense feeling of like, my brother is mad at me for some reason. He's not happy for me. I don't want that negative energy on this day, but I love my, you know, niece and nephews and I don't have any beef with Melissa, but that doesn't necessarily help things, right? Joe would never let that happen. Melissa would never let that happen. Um, at the same time, is she just saying that to make it seem like, does she have ulterior motives? I don't know with Teresa. With Teresa, I, I usually say what you see is what you get, right? Mm-hmm. She's not a schemer. She's not a whatever. What you see is what you get. There's a whole world of people out there who completely disagree and say like, oh, no, this thing is all planned out. And here's how this works. Okay. Um, this is fascinating. You don't think that Teresa is a schemer at all like not in the deep deep ways you know what I mean not in the deep deep ways I think we don't so here's what I think about that I think when some people get angry on a reality show I don't trust whether or not that anger is real I think Teresa gets irrationally mad and she can't help it and so I never think that she's being fake mad 
like when uh, Jackie made the analogy about Gia, you know, whoa, Gia's doing coke in the yeah. bathroom or whatever. The way that rage, I don't think mm-hmm. she can fake that. No, definitely not. Not not with that. But I, I do think that like talking to Laura to get this rumor, to get more information on this rumor. And then I think allowing Jen Aiden to say on camera, well, you know, I don't want to involve Teresa, but wink, wink, she does believe that the rumor was true, was an example of Teresa and Jen Aiden being strategic. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely think that all of them look, yeah, are very interested in dirt on each other at all times. I think, you know, mm-hmm. Marge gets pinholed for that a lot like oh marjo is digging on people i'm like jennifer aiden you have done that too Teresa, you have done that too jackie you mm. you know like they've all you know participated in that um but i'm talking about like the actual interactions with each other and whether or not things are fake or real those can be tough for me because i couldn't tell if melissa was being real when she was crying talking about you know the pictures of her parents and they came over and she got the sunglasses on and her voice goes real high but there were no tears or were they i don't know i can't tell anymore it's it's very exhausting so i just am sort of like okay okay what's gonna happen now do you think that you'll get any kind of answer to that during the reunion when obviously there is a performative aspect to it because it's as much of a, you know, meeting with HR, your boss to get, you know, your 360 review as anything else. But like, yeah, also they have the benefit of being caught up with all this shit that the person they're fighting with has said about them, not only during the show, but during press runs, like, you know, <sighs> reunions are so tricky these days. And this is where you, this is honestly Jersey people get so emotional and so into it. I have checked out and I am there for entertainment value. Wow. And I am not trying to figure out who's trying to pull one on who, because in my mind, they're all trying to do stuff all the time. And reunions, reunions have turned into something different now. It's like, that's where they come to like, just be gladiators in the arena for everyone. And I, I think they all come to kind of feel like they won at the reunion. So that's why whenever we have these real moments that come out, they're rare, but we cherish them. They turn into a thousand memes because I think that the constant, a lot of times with Real Housewives is filler, is like fake stuff that you think, "Mm, I don't know about that. I don't know about that, Jen Aiden. I don't know if that really was on the bottom of the teacup, you know? That was... So upset. I, I mean, like, I love Jen Aiden, but I she too, is but come on. so uh, that is like absurdity to a T. Like, I, I just, yeah, Jennifer, like, she know, but she knows, but it's like when she's protesting at a certain point, she can't do it because she knows she was bad at it. Like, she knows that. And I appreciate that. But that's what I'm saying is like, Jersey, you just got to be, you got to be there for the entertainment factor and just go, go on the ride. Well, I mean, it's interesting to think about the quote unquote entertainment factor, because if you're talking to Danielle about this week's episode, my guess is she's going to say there was nothing entertaining about that goddamn trip. Yeah, that was a rough one for her. Um, that's super tough, especially and what what's your take on on the whole like Danielle v. Rachel that kind of came out of nowhere and it's very intense. Well, I thought it was a point where um Honestly, I thought Melissa was on the path to making a good point, albeit one that supported (laughs) 
making Teresa maybe not look great. Like the idea of like, you're getting mad at Rachel. Rachel, you're getting mad at Danielle, but you guys should be, or or rather to Marge, like you're getting really mad at Danielle, but you shouldn't be. You should be getting pissed at Jen Aiden and Tree for even starting this shit and talking to Laura. And then Danielle, I thought, effectively one-upping her and being like, well, fuck getting mad at Jen Aiden and Teresa. Get mad at Laura herself. Yeah, like, exactly. And I think they're all right, but I think that, that both Melissa and uh, Danielle are right in how, in what they're saying. I mean, but it was also like, yeah, there's, why are we, we're getting caught up in the rat of it all. And I think it's happening to such a heated extent between the two most freshman players because they don't want to lose their first season. They're yeah. like, wait, I've only just started this. And you guys are saying that my reputation is bad. Of course, I'm going to be upset at the person who's joining the team at the same time because they have the most to lose and the least to show for it. It's much easier for me to try to win versus them than a continued player with, you know, however many seasons behind them. Look at me in sports. I don't know. I just thought that was such a, a weird, dumb move. I don't like it. You know, that Rachel went to Marge and was like, Danielle is saying that you're, you've got an arsenal. It's like, that's actually not, not really how it happened. She was saying like, people have told me this, you know, are you hearing the same thing with the two newbies? Let's newbie bond. That's how I took it. And now it's turned into this great divide. So instead of the two newbies having like this unifying factor and navigating this crazy world and maybe giving us some different stuff, we have like two little teams here again. But to that extent, who's really to blame? Is it Rachel or Marge? Because Marge is the one that I thought kind of escalated this. Oh, I mean, I think everybody contributed for sure. Yeah. It was a pylon. It's a pylon from all sides. I'm just saying like yeah. their natural tendency is to divide. So I hated mm -hmm. that, that that rift was, was initiated. Speaking of divisions, from the perspective of this would happen anyway, um, or maybe not. How do you think Louie is factoring into the split between Teresa and Melissa and Teresa and Joe and Teresa and Melissa and Joe? Do you think that this was inevitable or do you think, do you think Louie has delayed the inevitable from happening or do you think that he has accelerated the engine? Man. Uh, I think because of all of the things, the wild things that are always being released about him, it probably has exacerbated the problem for in Joe's mind. I'm thinking about the brother. I think that they're probably got concerns for her. I think they voiced some of those concerns. And, you know, he has, Louis has on camera anyway, seemed to have really made some strides, some efforts to unify them, but then he's also said some really, you know, mean things about her brother as well. And just, you know, being married to someone who has siblings, I have never talked crap about those siblings because that is not something that's helpful, you know, even in, in any situation. So the whole thing, it's probably no bueno, probably it's never going to work well, but, um, you know, I don't know if the show is helping.
Well, it's interesting the ways that his consistencies, inconsistencies rather, seem so strategic because like when there's a dynamic in public where Teresa and Melissa are getting into it or he's trying to reason with Melissa or Joe, he seems to be uniformly on their side. He's not interested in allowing Teresa to speak out, even in letting her communicate, regardless of whether or not he thinks it's um, appropriate. He's willing, seemingly, to say that the anger that Joe and Melissa have contains validity. But he's saying in front of them that Teresa absolutely does not. And he's saying that to Teresa, too. But then when it's just Teresa and maybe her kids, he's like, yours is the only voice that makes sense. Yeah. And you have the right to escalate. And I'm not going to do anything to de-escalate because I want to make sure that you feel heard and supported. And also, P.S., I agree. Yeah. And it's like so deeply inconsistent that it's destabilizing. Like if I was Teresa, I don't know how I would be reacting to this except to say that in the months that have followed, obviously, he seems to be agreeing with her 1,000%. And maybe that meets up with more public uh, critique against him, which alleviates or removes the possibility of him pretending to give a shit about what Joe and Melissa are saying maybe that's also the pizza oven too of like oh I already fucked you so there we go there man the pizza oven stuff too yeah and there's just so many layers so many layers with Jersey and I don't know how I don't know how they're gonna ever move past it and so again I've come to a place of acceptance with Jersey I really have Mm. I'm just like I'm here for the ride Let's see where y'all go. I'll laugh at the funny moments. I'll appreciate my Jen Fessler. Um, I got no enemies on that show. If somebody has a good line, good for you. That was a good read, whatever it is. But I'm not getting caught up in this because they're both, they've both taken some, some rough shots at each other. And I think it's going to go on forever. So you got to pace yourself. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And that's what it is to be a Jersey fan, I think, these days. And I know people get super upset about it. And there's, you know, the the Trey fans, and then there's, you know, the Gorga clan. And people gotta people people gotta chill because it's gonna go on forever. What do you think is gonna happen next season? Do you think it's inevitable that Joe and Melissa are Dunzo? I don't know. I don't know. And I'm interested to see what happens. I think the show will be okay. If that were to happen, um, you know, there was a time before they were on the show and it was an entertaining show. I do think, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe it's just me. I think people have grown weary of this same, of this same fight over and over and over again. And I don't know, maybe a break would be good to see what it looks like. But I know that the world loves Joe Gorga and seeing his, you know, his hijinks um, on on TV. Uh, speaking of things that you would be fine living with, Frank having a goddamn pot economy. Our thoughts, our feels, you are a gummy connoisseur. Yeah. Well, first of all, you said Frank and I got mad because I <laughs> am so over Frank and his, yeah. his tears with Dolo mm. holding her down. Let mm-hmm. her live. And I don't know Dolo, but I get really mad. When Frank keeps bringing this crap up, she's finally really got a man who 
is with her, traveling with her, doing all the things with her that we have watched her for years. She had simple requests, spend time with me, let's go do things together, blah, blah, blah. And he was best buds with her ex, with David. They lived together. David was very kind to him. Wonderful, good for you. But now that he's like not part of that, he's gonna cry about it. He's got like a young, 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 young girlfriend a full life of his own, but he still needs something from Dolores. That woman gave you a lot. And she was very kind and very patient. I get so mad about it. So yeah, Frank is already pissing me off. I'm hoping that the weed is doing Frank good. It has been a solid year since I have been um, an avid user. And I absolutely love it. I got very, very high last night. I think it's great. I'm pissed that I was sold a, you know, a dare weed is a gateway drug trope mm. my entire life because I love a gummy takes the edge right off mm-hmm. and it's stressful we're just I, I'm not going to go into the apocalypse sober I'm just not going to do it and uh uh Marge calling Jenny Eden what did she she said she was like a fucking drug user or something she was like trying to be as derogatory as possible <laughs> you haven't even met me mind <laughs> 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 and I do love that. She's making Jen Aiden even more, you know, entertaining and likable. So Jen should just let her throw jabs all day because she's just making Jen more likable. Because then Jen's like, yeah, so what? I've got a bunch of kids and they go to bed, you know, whatever. And that's fine. I'm like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Because we have this whole like wine culture, you know, mm-hmm. mommy wine culture. But for some reason, like a gummy is looked down on. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I can't wait for you to try it, Sarah. I wish that you would. So I just was talking to a friend about it the other day, um, my interest in trying a gummy, but I'm like deep in the throes of some special medical testing right now. And I got more results back today and the special specialized testing uh, is going in a different direction than what I, (laughs) my uh, nephrologist thought it was going to go. So I I can't fuck with anything that could in any way change my body's reaction to literally anything because the results that we're getting back like don't make sense like it's we thought we were in a rare territory but now it's like rare slash inexplicable so huh. I yeah so I have to do a bunch more shit so it's like I cannot fuck with that as much as I genuinely I was thinking about you this week because I was talking to a friend I was like I really want to try a gummy I think it but I wouldn't do anything without consulting with my doctors but like I really think it would really really help me I think I'm like in the prime you know, core of people who could really enjoy a little bit of like just a smoothing out of some mm-hmm. of the ripples um, from like a stress perspective. But I just I'm so I'm sad about it. It's just I, I do want it to happen. Your time I do want will it to come. happen. Your time will come. Get through your yeah. tests and stuff. See what your doctor yeah. says. Um, yeah, I, I'm just a person, too, that I hold my stress inside. Mm. And they just reached a point last year where I was like, I'm going to crack. Something's going to, something's going to break inside Mm -hmm. this lady. And so I, you know, tried a gummy for the first time in my life. And I was like, wow, wow. Days can be more fun. (laughs) Just let me put everything into perspective real quick. I'm going to chew, chew, chew on this little thing and be like, you know what? Nothing's that big of a deal. Great. Yeah. I think it's, it's the, 
the ongoing exercise of externalizing versus internalizing stress or anxiety or or whatever it is. And then for so many of us, Bravo would began as an escape. And then at a certain point, it's like, okay, but I'm sometimes feeling stressed from this (laughs) thing that I, that I come to as an outlet. Now I'm like chicken in the egg, like some of the stress and like upset that I feel, how bad was it before I watched a certain episode of VPR or like, you know, was going on Instagram, seeing what nonsense a Bravo Leb said about something that I'm going to find infuriating. Like, you know, this used to be the thing that I was like chuckles McGee about. And there's a benefit to it, not only being that there's a value in some of that stuff that even might create some internal conflict because there's a value in processing it. But also like, fuck, like I'm already feeling a little weird. Is this exacerbating that or or what's going on here that's so accurate and what's hilarious to me especially because we were just talking about jerseys i remember i used to say to my husband like oh i really envy the jersey people because (laughs) the way that they fight they get it out i've got stuff i haven't said to people that's been just brewing like a quiet little blue flame Mm -hmm. an autopilot flame in the back of my brain just going forever i'm like just suppress it's fine move on they get it out and i think that's so cathartic and I'm so envious of it but you know at a certain point again and we've been doing this for like 15 years now I'm like your girls needs a break mm. like it's it's <laughs> it's getting to be a bit much this is why I keep stuff inside um but it's just ironic that that's what drew me to the show was I really loved that they could get things out and then get over it and laugh together and whatever yeah, there's a jealousy I feel in someone making a significant income from being an asshole. I mean, geez, I don't even feel like I can be an asshole for free. I think the cost is too much. And like, also, I don't know that I would necessarily want to be one. But oh, my God, the opportunity to behave badly, which yeah. for so many of us feels entirely like an irresponsible choice, but one that also is unrealistic. Yeah. And, and these people get potentially bajillions of dollars for doing that, for acting out in the ways that you and I could maybe only dream of if that is in fact one of our many dreams, which I think it is. Yeah. Listen, you know I could talk to you forever. I'm obsessed with you. I love when you come on AG. It is literally my comfort blanket, which seeing as I'm recording in a cranberry red painted wall bedroom it's beautiful it is I need a little bit of zen so thank you for providing that place um can you tell the AGs what you've been talking about on social where they can follow you online all that good stuff sure I recap sporadically uh when the child goes to bed at at the appropriate time Mm -hmm. and um yeah so I got recaps on there I do a dive occasionally I don't seek the dives the dives find me TikTok I'm mostly a lurker there god I love TikTok Oh, you too. And I really stopped using um, Twitter, but I do love a good Twitter roundup after after a show airs. Bravo, Bravo, Ducking Bravo is where to find you. And are you watching Succession? Have we had Succession? Uh, yeah, I love it. I still hold out hope that maybe this isn't going to be the I think that they could return. I don't know that this is going to be the end of Succession. I don't think that they'll return next season, but I think in like four years, I wouldn't be surprised if something happens. Do we want to make really predictions wouldn't. about what we think is going to happen? 
No, I don't. Because I, here's the thing. Uh, I went to the Sixth Sense in a movie theater back in the day when judging by the fact that I'm spiritually mid-20s plus, I was about three years old. And I sat down with my dear friend, Erica, who I'm still very good friends with. And we're two minutes. And spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the Sixth Sense, I literally welcome we're the same age, surely. But we're two minutes into the movie or whatever. And she turns to me and she goes, I think he's dead. And ever since then, I'm like, I don't want to hear. So the rest of the movie, I was like, and I never would have thought it. I never. So I don't want to hear anybody's predictions. I'm not clicking on any of those fucking articles because God forbid you're right. And even if you're wrong, I'm going to be holding that kind of paranoia and neuroses for the rest of however many episodes we have left. I don't even know how many. Oh, my God. Do we have four left? I don't even know. Three? There's only a few. There's only a handful. But what's so funny about that, too, about what you just said about a, a sixth sense is that there's this comedian that I think is so funny online. I'm going to find him and say his name too. But he just had a bit about the sixth sense <laughs> about how like they show him getting shot in the first two minutes of the movie. He gets shot. Yeah, but Jason Bourne law, you can get shot. You can get shot in the head and be fine. Ten minutes later, it's cinema. His wife doesn't talk to him the whole well, welcome movie. to marriage. I mean, am that's I right? Joke. That's this guy's whole <laughs> joke. He's like, it's more believable. That for a whole movie, <laughs> a guy's wife gives him the silent treatment. And the fact that you watched him die, you'd believe that over. Amen. Swipe right for that ghost. So, I mean, just shout out to Shiv, to Kendall, um, to Roman, the love of my life, to Jerry, to Carl, to Frank, yes. to Logan, to L to the OG. I mean... I just, it's literally my favorite show of all time. It is my favorite show. I love it. I love it. And I love that the women um, came out strong in the last episode. I have seen a lot of different, you know, theories about it of like, oh. What do we just say? We're not talking No, just the last episode. I'm not going to talk about anything beyond the last episode. Okay. Just, you know, walking away from that last episode feeling like, haha, Shiv was really the, you know, the winner of that last episode when really. Alexander Skarsgård was the winner of the last episode. Obviously manipulated the siblings into doing what he wanted them to do for him. Yeah, I guess, but I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't know. See, now I'm going to fucking talk theories and we're not going to do that. No, no, we're not talking theories. I'm just saying that one episode, you know, was interesting in in the dynamics of the siblings and how somebody Mm. can easily use it against them um, and make them think that they somehow are smarter than him. Well, you know what? I feel a whole lot smarter after having this convo with you today. (laughs) So if there's a succession to AG, let us just nominate you and I to succeed ourselves with hopefully another app to come soon. Speaking of episodes, join the Andy Scrolls Patreon, the number one way to support the pod. You get exclusive bonus episodes like two Satchel Spectaculars that are up now. One includes my live reaction to the Orange County trailer. And I heard from an AG who's a Patreon supporter, and thank you so much, who messaged me and said she had to like pull over while driving or something when she heard my reaction to like the last three seconds of the trailer because I lost myself. It, I was so out of body. You went out of body. With it was out of body that I had to watch the trailer for this Patreon episode twice because I was like, I was 
entirely undone. I honestly, I loved the Orange County trailer. So you get to hear my live reaction to that. And also I respond to, I think at least 15 satchels of gold, which are listener thoughts and feels, questions and concerns named in honor of her holiness, Kelly Kalorn Ben-Simone. And you can send me your long form thoughts and feels about all things Bravo by sliding into my messages on Patreon at patreon.com slash Andy's girls or follow me on social at Dame Galley. And if you have a thesis, which I love, people have been sending me indexes and chapters to their satchels of gold. You can email me at andysgirlsshow at gmail.com. And P.S., what are you doing May 18th in New York City and also online? Wink, wink. For real? What are you doing? Are you doing something on May 18th? I am doing on something on May 18th. Thank you so much for asking. Oh my God, I'm so surprised. Myself and Dylan Hafer, our pal, also known as Bravo by Betches, are hosting Andy's Girls Live, a Scandaval Spritz, which will be the day after the VPR finale. We're going to talk, talk Scandaval. I know we're going to talk Housewives. I know New Jersey is going to come up. And you can go in person, which I highly encourage if you're in the New York City area. It's a great place to bond with and connect with fellow Bravoholics. Have a, you know, pump teeny seltzer spritz. It's only the third time we've ever done a AG Live in person before. So we want you there to be a part of the conversation as we say whatever the fuck comes to mind. And um, I get a little extra zesty, I would say, in Love person. It. So uh, highly encourage that. It's a it's going to be a lot of fun. And I would appreciate meeting as many AGs as I possibly can. There's nothing more I love in life. So you can get in-person tickets and also live stream tickets, which you can watch on demand for only 20 bucks. Again, this is Thursday, May 18th at 7 p.m. at the Green Room 42 in New York City. Get your tickets now at thegreenroom42.venuetix.com, also linked in the show notes. For this episode. I'm so, so, so excited for it. I have to tell you guys. So please buy your tickets now. It's going to be, it's going to be a crazy fucking night. Dylan and I together are just nuts. So so it's going to be bananas. It's going to be bananas. And on that note, BBDB, bravo, bravo. Yeah. BBDB. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. You know, I'm obsessed with you. You know, I can't get enough. Okay, great. So, um, go pop a gummy, relax yourself. Hopefully for the next time you come back. I will tonight which I... for sure, yes. Okay, great. So you're coming back tonight? That's what I heard. We're going to record again. I would love evening. that, actually. Okay, perfect. Some of okay, my great. favorite times okay. recording with you is when I was really high. That's just fun. I love when you're... I can't wait until that time in which I have maybe a tenth of a bite of a gummy and ride that train with you. Can you imagine if we recorded... That would be... That would be... Whenever well, you think... give me the green light, I'll hop on a train. I'll deliver the perfect dose to you. (laughs) Who needs Postmates or Uber Eats when I got this gal over here? I mean, that's what Acela dreams were made for. Gummy Sherpa. I love a gummy Sherpa. And and thanks for, you know, leading the way on this episode. And to all the AGs, I hope you're all doing great. Thanks for listening. And we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye. 